Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. stained glass window. Doesn't it look like you're looking at heaven? Hallelujah, Jesus. We have the best view in the house up here. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Whew. Now you know why we love all night prayer, because we don't have to stop for nothing. We just keep going and keep going and keep going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's not through blessing you. Hallelujah. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them, God's not through blessing you. I'm glad that I, that, that band-aid fell off because I don't see anything. Did you guys see anything on his lip at all? I did, did you see anything? I don't see anything at all. Do you, do you see anything, Stephanie? There's stitch. I don't see anything at all. I was wondering, is there a creative miracle there? What's going on? I can't see it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's put a picture of Israel up here. Today I just want to uh, introduce a new subject, and I just want to kind of give a couple disclaimers. Number one, there's a lot more to be said on this subject that I can't say uh, for several different reasons. Uh, number two, uh, I, but I will say a lot though, and the subject that I'm going to be uh, covering, when I get into the introduction of this, and I, I share with you a few things, I'm sharing with you something that is forbidden to teach in many uh, schools of theology, and in, in, in particularly in uh, several Jewish traditions, what I'm about to teach to you are things that are forbidden to teach. And there's several reasons why they're forbidden to teach in the public, and they are even forbidden to study. I'm going to teach you some things today that are even forbidden to study. Uh, and the reason why they're forbidden to study for thousands of years and forbidden to teach. Now, they're not forbidden for everyone to study, just for uh, you know, a certain a tier of people downwards. There is a, another, another tier of people that are high theologians that are allowed to study this. And they are allowed to write about it, debate it, study it, and so forth. But in general, for thousands of years, uh, the average rabbi and theologian and believer in God, they're not even allowed to study this or to be taught on these things. Uh, one of the reasons why, before I get into it, is because 
there's a concern that people will get into this and lose their mind. There's another concern that people will get into this and they will become idolatrous and they'll begin to um, idolize certain topics. Another reason why it is forbidden to study is because there was a, a concern and a fear that people would... Uh, that they would idolize, that they would get into, they would lose their mind, that people would get too far into mysticism and they would get too far into uh, the spiritual realms and, and so forth and they would get off, that they would err. So these are very sensitive subjects I'm about to teach and quite honestly I understand exactly why the rabbis say that because when you study this, for somebody like me who's been to 24 countries and I've seen things that you would wouldn't sleep for a week if you saw some of the things I saw and and, and you know and my african brothers and sisters aj is not here today but td is here the, some of them know what i'm talking about but some of the things that we're about to discuss today in scripture are things that the average american uh cannot wrap their mind around at all and that was excuse me i'm great i'm glad i remember that that's one of the reasons why they're taught not to teach this because another reason is some people our majority of people just can't even grasp it they will just think that it's it's just foolishness and that is basically in one way casting pearls before swine but i i, I do want to introduce some of this and while I was recently with uh, you know brother AJ and Dr. Martinez uh, we discussed this subject that we're going to get into and we decided that we would kind of not get totally into it and we would kind of go at it another direction because we need to make sure that when we begin to preach on certain subjects it does open up a realm for people and what happens is if you're not prepared, if you're not spiritually strong, it could open up a realm that you're not ready for. So we're going to focus uh, on a little bit different angle as we get into this topic. But I did announce to you last week that I would start this topic. So today is an introduction. Next Sunday, of course, we're going to have Pastor and Prophet Chris Hubbard with us. And then after that, you'll have me again. So I'll continue on it the week after that. Amen. But today, I hope to whet your appetite, and I hope to keep your attention as we go over some information methodically. But the title of today's message is Preeminence, the Preeminence or Preeminence of the New Creation. Preeminence of the New Creation. Can you say that with me? Say Preeminence of the New Creation. Preeminence means the superiority. The, the superiority of. And the new creation is me and it is you. Those who have been born again, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Now, one of the reasons why we're called the new creation, we understand through foundation classes. How many guys are in foundation classes or took them? Amen. We understand through foundation classes that the new creation is basically, yeah, if I have a little more volume, I don't have to exert too much for the diaphragm. Thank you. That the new creation is basically when you are born again. When you accept Jesus as your Lord, your spirit man, say spirit man. Spirit man. Say I am, a spirit. I am a spirit. Your spirit is born anew. It's regenerated or as Pastor Reed taught us, it's regened by the Holy Ghost. So you become regened or regenerated, born again. And so now 
that you're born again. You're a new creation. You're no longer the old person, but now you're a new person, a person who's in union with God. Say union with God. Uh, John G. Lake has a series of great teachings called Union, Union with Christ, Union with God. So now we see that you are born again. You're a different person. You're now uh, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. But also, you are also a species of being. You're a creature that has never existed in the world before. You see, prior to uh, Jesus Christ sending the Holy Spirit down and, and making available a born-again experience, there was never the scene these kind of God-men. Now you understand there was a, an attempt, there was a, a false attempt to create God-men. As we understand in Genesis, I believe it's chapter 11, that the, that the angels of God came down and they took women and they, they took the daughters of men and they had sexual relations with them and they gave birth to children. And then from that account, uh, many cultures such as the Greek cultures have gone on to explain these stories and calling these deities gods. And they said that these gods had come down, they have intermingled with human beings, and they had kids which were half God, half man. This is where we come to the December 25th opening of the movie Wonder Woman. Hallelujah. Did anybody see Wonder Woman yet? I know a couple of us from the church went out. Am I the only one? Where's my... I thought we went with the group. Oh, they're all in the sound booth. All the Wonder Woman fans are in the sound booth. So you even understand that the movie Wonder Woman is based on some of this actual historical accounts. Of course, it's just embellished and told, you know, in different ways. But these stories are told in Mesopotamian, ancient Mesopotamian culture, Greek culture. These are very old stories that take place from actual true accounts. Even when you study Chinese culture, you go to Bhutan, the most ancient, one of the most ancient civilizations in the world. You find certain, um, certain facts that have gone throughout century after century from these accounts. So this uh, angelic being sleeping with human beings and or taking them as wives and having children created these kind of offsprings that were uh, part uh, celestial and part human. And so we see that was almost like a false attempt to create their own born again race. You understand how that's kind of like a type and a shadow. It's a demonic attempt to make a new creation. Because what was going to happen is that God was going to send the Holy Spirit and a people would be born again and they would become partly divine and they would become partly human. So when we say, well, I'm only human, that's not true. Once you've been born again, you're not only human, now you're also partly divine. Your spirit has become in union with the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. The same spirit that hovered across, across the face of the waters when the earth was a frozen ball of ice. The same spirit that made the mountains and the, and the seas and the, and the animals. Your spirit is one with that same spirit. It's not some third watered down part of the trinity your spirit is united with the unlimited omnipresent omnipotent spirit of god so you are a god man amen so 
You are a new species of being. So the word new creation also can mean a new creature, a new type of beings in the earth through the born again experience. So let's go here to this picture behind me. I think it's behind me. It's not behind me. Did, I, did you get the photo I sent you? To my wife. She said, hold on. Just flag me when it's on the screen. For centuries, Muslims... Jews and Christians have been at odds with each other. Heba, I was hoping your parents would be here today. Hallelujah. For centuries, did they go back to Dallas last night? Did they go to the Big C's revival? Uh, Well, next time, in Jesus' name, we'll get them in church. Amen. Well, for centuries, oh, it's here. This is me standing in front of the Eastern Gate in Jerusalem. I'm actually standing on the steps of All Nations Church. The name of our ministry is All Nations International Fellowship. I was quite pleased to find out when I got to the Garden of Gethsemane that the church there, built by the Franciscan, uh, Franciscans, was also called All Nations. Amen. So I'm here at All Nations Church in the Garden of Gethsemane, and right across from me, you see, is the Eastern Gate, or the Mercy Gate. And if you see these... This gate here, it's sealed closed. And if you look here, these are all tombs. Somebody say tombs. So for centuries, Jews, Christians have been at odds with each other. But there's one place where they all get along peacefully. And that is right here at the Eastern Gate. Or what we call, and has been called through our history as the Mercy Gate. In Arabic, it's Bab el Dahabi, meaning the Golden Gate. Say Golden Gate. So here is where you see Jews and Muslims and Christians all getting along peacefully. FYI, they're all dead. They're buried there, and they're getting along just fine. Amen. It's where the Shekinah glory used to appear, and it's believed that when the Messiah comes or returns, depending on what religion you're in, do you follow me? If he, when Messiah comes, Islam, Judaism, or returns, Christianity, when Messiah comes and returns, he will manifest his glory, and the glory of God will manifest, and he will return through this gate. So to stop this, they sealed up the gate. Isn't that interesting that man thinks they're going to stop God? But this is what they thought. So they sealed up the gate, and then not only did they stop there, but then they built tombs in front of the gate. Because according to Jewish tradition, rabbis cannot walk among the dead. So they thought by putting tombs in front of the gate, no good rabbi would ever go through that gate. And so they thought they would prevent the return of Jesus by putting a cemetery there. But then those who believe in the resurrection, they put their tombs there as well. Because when Messiah returns, they think that they'll be the first ones to go up. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Amen. That's what they really believe. And so to purchase... A plot there is extremely, extremely expensive. You have to be a very wealthy person to get a, to get a grave plot there. Amen. 
So right in front of the eastern gate, Jews, Muslims, and Christians all buried together in peace because they all agree in one thing, is that Messiah is coming back through this gate. Somebody say amen. But see, they're ignorant of one thing. The resurrection will not be a resurrection of their earthly body. And, and, and we're going to look at this today, what the Apostle Paul taught on this, because many Christians also have a misunderstanding, even in the year 2020. We think that the resurrection is going to be of our physical body. So here we get a debate whether should you be cremated or not. I used to think in China, when you die, they don't have graves and there's no cemeteries. Everybody is burned in China. So I used to ask, think to myself, what's going to happen to the Chinese Christians? How are they going to be resurrected? Has anybody ever, has anybody ever thought like that? What word are they cremated? They scattered my auntie's ashes all over the, 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 the Pacific Ocean. How are they going to be resurrected? Has anybody ever thought that? So Paul grapples with this misconception in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to read from verse 35 to verse 49. When you get there, say amen. Amen. And are we going to have it on the screen or no? We cannot have it on the screen. So please follow with me in your smartphone or your Bible if you have one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. When I hear a few amens, we'll begin. Okay, so we're already there. Verse 35. Father, we ask you to add your blessing to this reading of the scriptures. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to make your word alive. In Jesus' name, We bind interceptors of light. We pray, God, that you speak to everybody hearing this message around the world and in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. Now, I had to pull out the NIV to understand what that meant. (laughs) Amen. You might have caught it, though. What that verse is saying in verse 36 is that the thing that you plant in the ground, it doesn't come to life until after it dies. So if you plant an apple seed into the ground, that seed will die, and then the life that's in it will begin to break forth. So the seed must die for the life that's in it to come out. So he's saying the thing that is planted, it cannot come alive, quicken means come alive, except it dies. And that which you sow, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. In other words, you don't sow an apple to get apple trees. You sow a, the, you sow a seed and that seed will grow an apple tree. So what will come from that seed is actually a tree. But you don't sow a tree You sow a seed. That seed, say it's apples, is a little black. The body 
of that seed is a little black thing, right? And so that's the body that you plant into the ground. But what comes out of that is another kind of body. What kind of body comes out of that? The body of a tree. And that tree, of course, will produce other apples. So he's, he's giving you something in the natural realm to understand the spiritual. He says, you fool, that which you sow is not alive except the dying. And that which you sow is not the body of what's going to be, but is just a grain, maybe wheat or some other grain. But God, verse 38, but God giveth it... A body as he, as it pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Now here's where it gets juicy. Say juicy. Juicy. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men. And there's another kind of flesh of beasts. Another of fishes and another of birds all of these flashes all of these bodies are different kinds of bodies a chicken's body is different than your body amen some flesh we eat others we don't we don't eat rats we don't eat dogs we don't eat humans there's some flesh that we don't eat am i right but we do eat cow and goat and lamb, etc. And some of you heathens eat pig. Hallelujah. <laughs> Especially the Chinese. That's the number one thing they like to eat. Say with me, all flesh is not the same flesh. Verse 40. There are also celestial bodies. Say bodies. And bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of a terrestrial is another. Meaning here that there are pros and cons to the types of bodies that there are. Obviously, if you're even looking at the terrestrial bodies, there are pros to having a bird's body. You can fly, hallelujah. But there's a lot of cons too. Somebody might eat you, hallelujah. Amen. But here he's saying that there are pros and cons to celestial bodies and to terrestrial bodies. So let's look here at a couple categories of bodies. Celestial beings, he says, number one, and terrestrial beings is number two. Let's briefly look at these definitions. Number one, celestial. This is the Greek word eos. Eos. This means bodies that exist in heaven. So he's not talking about birds, fish, humans. These are bodies, say bodies, that exist in heaven. Amen. Somebody say ET phone home. <laughs> Amen. Bodies that exist not on this earth, but they exist somewhere in the third, fourth, or fifth, sixth heavens. According to Jewish tradition, there's ten 
realms. We know the Apostle Paul talked about three. He said, I was caught up into the third heaven. Jews say there's ten. But either way, we know that there are multiple realms besides our stratosphere, which is the earth realm. So celestial beings are bodies... They're not spirits, but they're bodies that live outside of our, stra- our stratosphere. Number two, let's look at the word bodies in the Greek so we're cleared up. The word bodies in the Greek is the word soma, meaning a living body, a flesh. And the root word here for body is the word slave. And I wanted to point this out and I want you to remember that the root word for body is slave. Why? Because the purpose of a body is to carry out the tasks of your mind and of your heart. So your body is supposed to be slave to your mind and to your heart. However, after the fall, we, our hearts and mind, have become slave to the body. How do we know? Because we sign up for gym memberships and we never go after the first month. So our minds and our hearts said, I'm going to get in shape this year. But the body says, after one or two workouts, oh no you ain't. You're going to stay in bed and catch up on some sleep. Hallelujah. So we become slaves to the body, but the body actually supposed to be our slave. And so now we see with even the celestial beings that their bodies are the slave. It's what God had chose to give them to carry out what's in their heart or in their mind and what they're supposed to do. Number three, definition terrestrial is epigeos, meaning earthly or earthy. So a terrestrial body means an earthy body, a body that was made on this planet. So celestial beings, I want to submit to you today, that they do have bodies. Are you following me? Repeat after me and say, celestial beings have bodies. First of all, most people don't even know they're celestial beings. They think that just what they experience in day-to-day reality is all there is. But let me tell you, there are celestial beings. So the celestial being, because they have a body, they cannot enter into a human. And a celestial being cannot enter into an animal because they have a body. They have bodies. Therefore, they cannot enter another's body. Body, do you hear me? So let's take a look at some celestial beings because some of you might be wondering what kind of celestial beings can there be? Amen. Well, there's number one we see in scriptures seraphims, seraphims meaning burning ones or nobles. These types of celestial beings have six wings. So let's look at their body, let's consider and imagine what they might look like. The celestial beings. And there's another picture we have of one of the celestial beings. You can put it on the screen. There's one. So these celestial beings have bodies. This particular seraphim has six wings, but they use two of them for flying. The other four are used to cover their face and their feet. Their bodies are also full of eyeballs. Now these celestial beings, these seraphims, are in the presence of God... And I don't know if some of them are 
with Lucifer. Some of them might be with Lucifer. Because another word for seraphim in the Hebrew is a fiery dragon. Fiery dragon. So in many traditions, it's taught that Lucifer was a seraphim. He was in the presence of God. That's why we see in the book of Revelation this fiery dragon. Now you do understand that in Aztec culture, Mayan culture, they worshipped the dragon. And you go to the other side of the earth, to the Bhutanese culture, to the Chinese culture, they worship the dragon. Why are these cultures worshipping snakes and dragons? You go to Laos and to Buddha Park and you see these deities in Buddha Park and they are seven-headed snakes. Why are they worshipping seven-headed snakes? Because these are real celestial beings that humans had come in contact with. Do you understand me? Praise the Lord. I'm Bishop Joseph Castillo, and this is Living Proofs Podcast. I know you are blessed and encouraged, and I want to invite you today to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. He died for your sins so you don't have to die in that mucky mire of sin. He had lifted you up, shed his blood so you could be forgiven of everything that you've ever done. And all you need to do is open up the door and let the King of Glory come into your heart with the words of your lips. Repeat after me. And God will start a new chapter in your life today. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now, just as I am. I am a sinner born in sin. But God, you sent your son to die for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. Wash me in the blood. Forgive my sins. Send your spirit in my heart. From this day forward, I have new life. I have boldness to share the gospel with others. And Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want you to contact the ministry. You could Facebook us. You could email us. You could Instagram us. We're, we're on all those platforms. Bishop Joseph Castillo. Just go to our Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Email me if you want. Bishop at the RiverChurchTulsa.com. And we'd like to give you a free gift so you can understand this new walk with Christ that God has given you today. It's my book called Reality or Religion, The Beginner's Guide to Faith. We'll send you a copy. If this broadcast has blessed you, I want you to share it with others. And I want you to also partner with our ministry. Help us carry the good news of the gospel across the earth. And you can do so at at theriverchurchtulsa.com or asiarevival.com. Once again, that's asiarevival.com or theriverchurchtulsa.com. If you need prayer, feel free to call us at 773-599-7197.